Okay, greetings everyone and welcome to Geronimo Chats. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Lucifer Storm. He's the creator of his upcoming Indiegogo project, Lady Satan. Sounds really cool. I can't wait to talk about it. But first, let me just remind you guys that Wirehead is live. We are so close to the goal and we still have seven days left, one week to back Wirehead. So if you haven't checked it out, check it out now. It, the link is in, in the description. And without further ado, we have Lucifer Storm. What's up, man? Hey, guys. How's it going? How the devil art thou, good sir? <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on. This is this is great. I mean, I've had you on my channel a couple of times, and like now it's like, oh, great! I get to explore your audience and crap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's funny. For a moment, I'm so used to being on your channel. I was like, oh, you take the reins. I was like, oh, wait, I have to take the reins now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't let me take the reins. You met the sock puppet. You know it's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. That's very true. <laughs> so uh, first off, man, uh, I'm, I'm glad you're on and. You got your Indiegogo thing that you're working on. It's in pre-launch phase right now, right? Yep, that's right. It's in pre-launch phase right now. I'm I'm aiming around Christmas time to launch the actual campaign, which uh, lo lots of people have told me, don't launch it around Christmas. And I'm like, look, I either launch it now when there's awesome books like Wirehead out there, <laughs> Thanks, man. Which, which I can't compete against, or I launch it in January. And you know that's when so many of the big names are going to be like, hey, you know what? Let's have another Cyber Frog. Let's have another Jawbreakers or something. Yeah, something. And I'll just get buried under that. So I'm, I'm aiming for around Christmas time and keeping my fingers crossed all the way <laughs> right and now how much of it is done lady satan uh it's a five act story mm -hmm. and i'm about two acts uh done very nice uh i i was i did start working on like a page a day and mm -hmm. going okay right i'll do the roughs i'll do the pencils i'll do the inks then move on to the next page i'm now in that frame of mind where it's like pencil a shit ton of pages one week okay. the next week start doing the inking and, and move on from there so that's starting to speed up the process but this is like about a uh, 130 page uh graphic wow. novel. oh that's awesome yeah. Yeah, it started as an 80-page graphic novel, and then it just grew. Yeah, which that's, is what, always, that's what tends to happen, right? Yeah, 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 so absolutely. What, let me get the, I want to get the pre-launch page up right now, because I want to know your inspiration, because your style, I have a lot of questions, because I've been reading a lot of horror manga lately, and oh, okay. I'm not sure if you're influenced by that, but the aesthetic kind of reminds me of that. So uh, what were some of your influences when you when you do your horror writing? You know artwork. what? I, I'm so glad that you said that because most people see my artwork and they go, oh, Frank Miller, Sin City. And I'm like, well, no, not really. Right. <laughs> you know? uh, some of my influences uh, come when it comes to art, come from film noir and just, mm. just the way used lighting in the old film noir movies i absolutely love that and movies like yeah. nosferatu and, and german expressionism uh, i i draw Heck a yeah. lot from that and mm. uh a, lo a lot from sean martinborough i don't know if you're familiar with no. his work what, what, what's uh, something i can uh, look up he's worked on luke cage noir uh, okay. which is like this little noir mini series that marvel did he did an x-men spin-off called morlocks Oh, okay. Uh, which is cool. You know, he's got a very kind of like a cubist style mm. uh, to his stuff, which is really nice. And um, how do you spell I mean, that? Sean Martinborough. Uh, M A R T I N 
B O R O U G H off the top of my head. Right, right, right. He he did this wonderful book called uh, How to Draw Noir Comics. Oh yes, I do know Sean Sean Martinborough. Yes, yes, yes. yes oh yes, guy. I do recognize that style. Like like yeah. when I was learning to draw again, because as you probably find out later, there was a, a period in my life where I was doing a lot of drawing, and then I gave it up for a very long time because I had a very bad art teacher. Mm. and uh when i started <laughs> when i started getting into comics uh like as a career and not just as a reader because i've been reading comics since i like i was knee high to a grasshopper mm. uh, i never really thought about them as a career when i was a kid i was writing all the time i would i would draw i would draw every now and then but i was always writing same and i just the writing just took over in me and as i got older and older i was doing more and more writing and um back in 2010 my dad died mm. after a, a really long battle with prostate cancer mm. and uh th this is how much of a stubborn bastard my dad was <laughs> right <laughs> in, in 2000 the doctors say to him like you got prostate cancer you've got six weeks left to live so he lives another 10 years <laughs> and, ju and, ju and just carries on as, as he does yeah kind of thing it was shortly wow. after like he died that i was kind of like why am i rolling from job to job to job that i hate that mm. i have no interest in when i could do something that i want to do life's clearly too short kind of thing. right yeah, yeah. Uh, so so i was like okay i'm gonna write comics that's what i want to do i want to tell stories and i think comics is the best medium for me to work in mm. and that's when i realized there's there's not as many artists out there as you think Mm -hmm. And the first bunch of artists that you meet, especially if they're like people who are like in your area kind of thing, some of them are good, but unreliable. And some of them are reliable, but oh, hey, <laughs> they, yeah. they've got a bit more work to do kind of thing. Right. So I got to that point where I was like, I'm going to have a lot of trouble finding an artist. So I might as well teach myself to draw again. Mm. And it was Sean Martin Brewer's book that I first picked up. And I loved it because he didn't say, this is how you draw. He was right. like, you should, you should already know that. You already know how to draw. This right. is how you give it style. Yes. And it just, yes. I just gelled with that noir German expressionism style. And every time I've tried to kind of like veer away from it, mm -hmm. something isn't right and it doesn't capture people uh, anymore. But the moment I go back to it and I just I let go of all those insecurities, the little voice in my head that's like, your shit, stop doing this. <laughs> I, I, I ignore that little imp in my mind and yeah, I just to. I just I just let it flow. And mm -hmm. like if it's if it's not perfect, great. That's yeah. what I really like. Because yeah. to like there's so many people trying to be perfect with their oh, art. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, art is like a perfect diamond has a flaw. That's why it's perfect right and art should be be very similar to that so i i just let certain things there's some things i can't let go i get too precious <laughs> oh yeah i'm sure but, but you know there's the odd thing where i'm like that's just got to do and when i do that and it's in the style that you see in lady satan people just seem to gravitate towards it and they they get lost in it so mm -hmm that that's just what happens with my style you know it's people like sean martin Brer, people like phil hester and mike mm. mignola they've they've been big influences on on my art style and i just i refuse to let go <laughs> wow so no manga influences at all no no wow. surprise like i love manga 
Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoy manga, and I, I prefer some of the more like old school manga, like uh, Akira, Ninja yeah. Scroll, Ghost mm-hmm. in the Shell, Fist Absolutely. of the North Star. Oh, yeah. so many, countless amounts. But it's it that's kind of like a style that I could relate to, but I could mm. never incorporate it into mine. I could never mimic it. I tried mm. <laughs> a million and one times. Yeah. It just didn't gel with uh, with me or or what I was doing. So. So no, it didn't really. Hmm, interesting. Maybe it's the screen tones. Maybe it's the screen uh, screen tones. I did it from. I was like, oh, this reminds me of like some manga and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's that's probably got uh, a little bit to do with it because screen tones are something that I've recently kind of like incorporated into my art. It's mm. it's stuff that I've played with before, and I made the the mistake that I think a lot of people make is you add them to everything, right. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like, oh no, wait, less is more, right? Okay, yes. let, let, let's pull yes. this back. Only use it if you need to. So right. yeah, that that that's probably where like some of the uh, the the influence might be coming from. Mm, that's really interesting. Yeah, I, I, wow. There's so many things I want to touch on because I completely relate to uh, to that about style. You know, yes. even with my students, you know, I, I tell them you you already have a way of making your mark on the paper. Yeah. It's there. You do it. Yeah. You don't even realize it. You, every like I could tell your handwriting from your neighbor, you know. Yeah, so absolutely. That means you have a style already. It's kind yeah. of just like you, like Martin Burrow said, stylizing it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. that is really the the key to the artwork. Like, don't mimic other people's styles. Just find your own. Get to know you. Mm-hmm. And like, right. it's gonna it's gonna sound like so uh, so artsy fartsy and pretentious <laughs> of me. But it is like a personal inner journey to get there. It's, oh, it it's, not, it's not just about slapping stuff on the page and going, that works, but that doesn't. Like You've really got to get into your own headspace, know you, and know mm-hmm. how to, to communicate those, those visuals from here, right down your arm to your hand and then onto the paper yeah right. absolutely and it, you know it's even the same thing with like music or writing stories there's mm-hmm. the difference between someone who's doing it as a hobby or someone who's an amateur at writing stories and the difference between someone who's a professional is the professional's gone on a journey and that journey is not easy it's not skip into the store to get a loaf of bread <laughs> you no, know definitely it, not you, you are entering a void of darkness and it's scary as hell but you have to push through it because if you if you ignore it nothing gets better but if you push through it and get Mm -hmm. right to the edge of it that's Mm -hmm. when you start finding that that little bit of paradise you start seeing that like that that little bit of light come through the clouds in the sky and you're like oh so this is how it works right cool and then you just let go and you just you just do you yes and yeah. it works out fine. That's true. That's so well said. You just got to do you because like you, like also you said before, that little imp, it gets in your head and you think, yeah. well, I have to draw a certain way. Otherwise I won't succeed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, I, you know, I've spoken to people who are like, look, you know, I want to submit to a publisher, but what if I get a rejection letter? And I'm like, mm-hmm. so? So yeah. what if you get a rejection letter? When I started this, look, like everyone else, I was scared of getting a rejection letter. Sure. But then I got to that point where I was like, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. I'm either going to submit something and it's going to be great and they accept it, or I am going to have the best 
and biggest collection of rejection letters ever. <laughs> I will succeed one way or the other. You're right. I just don't know which one it's going to be. <laughs> right. And then you can make some kind of collage and a giant piece that goes in a museum with all the rejection letters. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, like some people, because a lot of the storytelling that I do is quite mature and mm. it's quite disturbing as well. I do get the odd person who kind of comes to me and goes, I'm so glad you're doing that because that's the kind of stuff I want to do, but I'm scared that it's going to upset someone. It's going to offend them. It's going to get me a death threat. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. look, if I don't get a death threat at least once a week, I'm not doing my job right. (laughs) Right. It's as simple as that. Like all the greatest artists have offended. Their art is dangerous in some way, shape or form. Absolutely. Dare to be that dangerous. Oh, yeah. Well said. I completely agree. I mean, you, you can't try to please everybody with your art because then you're not going to please no. yourself at all. Yeah, absolutely. And you're definitely not going to please anyone else. No. And and that's the thing. Like, please yourself first. Because, <laughs> look, I, I know what it's like, firsthand experience, to write a book that you are so proud of and no one reads it. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I- you don't care because you're like, but this is awesome. I know it's awesome because I'm proud of it. You, I cannot look at these pages again without being proud of it. So right. what if other people don't, don't read it or don't like mm. it? Just give them time. Be patient. No one's a fan after your first book. It's after your 10th book. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's, that's when they become the fan. It's true. No, and that's the mentality to have when you go into this thing. Because I think also uh, in the age we live in, I feel like a lot of people want that instantaneous uh, satisfaction. Oh yes. You know, and then you're like, oh yes. Oh, yeah. And with art and especially with comics, it's yeah. not like that. It is not yeah. like that. And it's easy to compare yourself to other people, especially on Instagram mm-hmm. and Twitter. But also yeah. in the same way, you're not seeing, you know, their kind of, you know, uh their struggle. Their struggle. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's absolutely true. Oh, Dave Swartz is here. He's a creator of Feast of Family and Confederate Monster. Uh, hey Dave. Uh, Hey guys, I feel you on pleasing people and pissing them off too. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's well, true. You, look, I I have uh, a music background as well. I I used to be the front man of a heavy metal band, and mm. that that was great. And let me tell you, during that time, I actually got physically assaulted after a gig because someone was offended by the music we were playing. Wow. And considering it was heavy metal, it's kind of designed to be offensive, you know? Oh, yeah, <laughs> right? sure. Absolutely. Like, I came away from it with like a cut head, a black eye, and, and God knows uh, what else. But it didn't stop me from doing what I do because the people who are looking at your art and going, oh, my God, this is this is offensive and I don't like it. Therefore, I'm going to threaten you. I'm going to mm. physically hurt you. They're just terrorists. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> do, do not do not compromise. Take that punk rock attitude and just what I tend to do is when someone goes, oh, my God, I'm so offended. Because let me tell you, uh, I, the amount of people I get who are like, you're a misogynist. Look at how you draw these female characters and stuff. Oh, my response is always, you see this? It's a middle <laughs> finger. I'm not afraid to use it. Now, if you think that's scary, wait until you see what I do with the other one. And they back off eventually. <laughs> it's so true. You know, I, I, I had a, uh, uh, I met this artist. It was over in LA 
and he was doing like an open studio and I was asking him all these questions. He was really nice with his time. And he told me, cause I was like, you know, I'm trying to find my voice and just kind of similar things we were just talking about. And he yeah. told me that there's going to be so many people that try to bring you down. And even if it could be friends and family that tell you, you can't do this. And there's going to be, ro <laughs> there's going to be roadblocks and other people, groups that like, I don't want you to get in and I'm going to make sure you don't succeed. He goes, you, you show them the greatest art tool and you carry it wherever you go. And I was like, what's that? He goes, it's this. And I was like, oh. yes, <laughs> I like this person. Yeah. I need, I need to have a beer with them. They get it. <laughs> yeah. But He's it, like, it, and, and, and even the voice in your head, he said, whenever you hear that voice too, you also take out your art tool. And he goes, and you have two of them yeah. too. So it totally reminds yes. me what you just said. <laughs> yes. Well, with, with the voice in the head, like for me, is is this gonna sound like I was on drugs or something? I, no, I may no. have been. I can't really remember. <laughs> but but I remember one time, like I was finding it because since I've been like very young, I I fought with the depression and stuff, which I think is something that most artists and writers and musicians uh, kind of deal with anyway. Sure. And there was this one time that I was like finding it so hard to deal with it and like you know i was speaking with people who didn't understand it you know and i'm trying to explain to them when you're going through something like that you can't stand to be in the same room as yourself and that's a very difficult thing you have mornings where you wake up and your first thought is fuck i woke up it's it's mm. not that you didn't want to be alive you just didn't want to wake up mm. and for some reason it was like about one o'clock in the morning. It's pitch dark. I'm in the house on my own. And I just started to visualize like my depression and the, the nagging voice in my head that says, you're not good enough. Stop it. Mm. I, I started to visualize it as if it was like this, this, this slimy little gremlin creature mm. and it's looking at me and it's snarling at me and it, once i started to do that i started to click and i just had that moment where in my head like i looked it in the eye and just said I'm not your bitch. You're my bitch. Mm, nice. And it was from that point on that I was like, okay, you know, I still get it. Sometimes it's still hard to deal with. It's sure. a lot easier than it was back then. And I now know to use it as a driving force to create something. Mm. Mm. That's, that's really, that's great. That's really excellent. Cause you know what you, you did, you gave it form too. Exactly. Well, and well, my theory is, like i i know this this guy who's he's he's had a rough rough upbringing and stuff and because mm -hmm. of it he's got he's got things like ptsd and stuff like that sure and a friend of his was talking to me and his girlfriend was there and stuff and you know i was saying like oh well you need to understand that this is where his ptsd comes from and he's also got this issue and his girlfriend was like don't label him as as, as all these mental health illnesses and stuff and i was like whoa if you can't name the demon, you can't slay the demon. Oh, well said. And that's, you know, it's the same with like your own things. That's why like I had to take that moment to kind of personify it in front of me. There was nothing there, but I, in my mind, it was there. It was ugly. For some reason, it was wearing a Hello Kitty onesie. <laughs> and I just told it, just, you know, that's it. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what you're gonna wear today then that's it i'm not taking you seriously yeah yeah i i am not taking orders from you <laughs> especially in that outfit yeah yeah now where did you get my hello kitty onesie from and why does it fit you better than it fits me <laughs> <laughs>
Wow. <laughs> now, so would you, do you feel that now kind of, this reminds me a little bit of uh, James O'Barks. I'm a big fan of the crow yes. and, and uh, it has that underground feel that underground comic book feel. And lady Satan yeah. reminds me of that too. And that's kind of something I, I really kept in mind when I was doing my own thing with blood realm, you know? Yeah. And uh, cause I want to maintain that indie look, the mark of the artist, you know what I mean? Yes. The, all yeah. that stuff, the voice of the artist and the writing and everything like that. You don't want everything to be so damn polished. But yeah. when I was creating Blood Realm, and I know when James O'Barr was creating The Crow, um, the book was kind of this vehicle to kind of just face his own demons. You know, yeah. and, and do you find Lady Satan is something similar like that? Yeah, yeah, I do. Because um, on the surface, Lady Satan is an outlaw comic. There's, there's no doubt about that. It doesn't pull any punches. And if you are going to give it to a kid, someone's going to call social services. There's no two ways about it. Excellent. <laughs> you know, that's that's just the way I roll. You know? um, but yeah, it, on the surface, it looks like that outlaw comic, that, that revenge thriller. Mm. With, with that horror vibe to it like a very not just a personal horror but kind of like a reality horror like mm. the, all the monsters best way i could describe it is there's a there's a saying over here in the uk you guys may have it in the us i don't know and that's monsters don't get close to children nice old men do mm. so that that's a real big part of this book mm. like the monsters that you have to face they are your neighbor. Sure. They, they, they are someone who is in the fire brigade or they're in the police force or they're an ambulance driver or they're the clerk that served you when you wanted to get like a newspaper and a pack of cookies or something. Mm -hmm. You know, it's you don't know until you have that that major interaction with them, because I think for a lot of people, when they go through their personal traumas in life, it's always because they met someone who they trusted mm -hmm. and then that trust was abused and the abuse goes even further than that right and that's and that's why very early on with the book like the first six pages is uh kind of like a prologue like a little glimpse at the lead character's past to let you know this is a dark journey we're going on mm -hmm. and and even if you you get to that sixth page and you don't realize it there's this uh, nice quote on there that says Return my shine that you borrowed once or else I'll drag you into my darkness. Wow. All right. And then we move into the first scene beyond the prologue, the first scene of act one, and there's rain coming down and there's, there's a narration from the lead character that says people are not haunted by the dead. They're haunted by the living. Mm. And that's when you, you kind of get that, that feeling of like, yeah, this is a revenge thriller, but this is about exorcising the ghosts in your head. In your head, yeah, kind of thing. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a personal this. journey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, trust me, trust yeah. me. When it's finished, I'll be like, "You're gonna fucking read this." All right? <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Put it in my face. I'm ready. I want to read this thing now. Uh, Stinchwa uh, Whackbacker says, "Oh yes, the couple." That have yet to marry is finally reunited. Oh, I don't know what it oh. been earlier. Unless he means us. <laughs> and if he does, my sock puppet Jeremy can get ordained as far as I know. <laughs> Perfect. So we're covered. <laughs> yeah, we're all good. We're all good. <laughs> oh my God. That's great. And oh, Crimson Mile Comics. Hi, everyone. How's it going? 
Hey, man, how's it going? Fantastic. Wow, that, that's fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to read this. So now you want to do hardcover. You were telling me earlier before we started. Yeah. So why, why, why was the hardcover very important to you? I, I love how a hardcover looks, how it feels. A lot of my, my favorite books, when I first read them, it's been a hardcover. And a hardcover on a shelf, even if it's been read like 10 times or so, mm -hmm. it still looks pretty, pretty polished and safe mm -hmm. and welcoming. And there's nothing nicer to me than when you see that hardcover, it looks polished, it looks new. Yeah. And you open it up, and it's fucking horrifying what's inside. <laughs> it's such a, a nice and beautiful contrast to have this very darkly disturbing uh, personal journey of vengeance mm. hidden behind this shiny hardcover. <laughs> Plus, I just like hardcovers. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, my God. You know, something that really uh, registered with me that you said earlier was that you did a lot of writing first before you were doing artwork. Yes. And I always felt did we always split did you always feel like i have to pick one or the other yeah yeah i did at first that's how i felt like i there were there was so much of me that was like i've got so many stories to tell if i draw them i can't tell them all but if i write them i can't show them all yeah you know, because there's no artwork to accompany them and stuff right I've written novels in the past and that's great. I'll probably write a novel again at some point, but it's not the same. It's not the same audience. It's not the same feeling. Yeah. Some, some stories translate really well to novels and some, they, they need to be a comic. I mean, with lady Satan, originally when I started working on the story, I wanted the lead character to be almost like a slasher, like a Jason Voorhees. Mm. so you would be following like a detective character or whatever thinking he's the lead of the story and he thinks he's the lead of the story and it's yeah. only when you get to the end and he realizes i'm not the lead of this story she is the slasher mm. i've been chasing is actually the hero kind of thing right right and i realized that's great if you're making a movie right that's that's great if you're telling a novel but this is a graphic novel it doesn't work it just doesn't work. You have to follow her. So instead, I started to look at her as if she was Clint Eastwood in in like a fistful of dollars or something. The stranger that strolls into town doesn't give a shit about anyone but them else. Right. And then the town comes to them and goes, it's been hell here for a long time. Can you clean it up? Mm. <laughs> you <know>? Nice. <laughs> wow. So now yeah. she she is. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, Lady Satan, like who she is? Oh, oh I'll tell you everything about her. <laughs> you asked nicely. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Satan, like her, her real name is Lucille Ferrer, which mm -hmm. is a really hard one to pronounce. I'm not even sure that I'm pronouncing it right. Mm -hmm. uh, she's she's a stripper from France, who she was. She had a bit of a, a crappy upbringing. Her parents weren't kind to her. Kids at school were awful to her. They were always telling her, like, you are ugly. You are fucking ugly kind of thing. And because mm -hmm. of that, she became a bit of a nerd. She started to withdraw herself and get mm. lost in books and get lost in comics. And one of her favorite comics was, was this little public domain comic. And it's real. You can go uh, see it for yourself mm -hmm. called Lady Satan. Mm. And 
she fell in love with that comic and as time went on she realized that because of like all the bullying and stuff and because she got lost in the book she never really did anything to improve herself so that when she left school she could get like a good high paying job she mm. had no qualifications right but then, she, then she saw hey there's a strip club they're looking for dancers i wonder if they would take me and they did. So she starts becoming a stripper. She realizes I'm not ugly like the kids said. I'm actually quite beautiful. And all of a sudden, everyone's flocking to the strip club. That man, man, woman, and child are all like, we want, we either want her, or we want to be her, kind of thing. And mm. she takes on the persona of Lady Satan. She calls herself Lady Satan. She dances to like Rob Zombie and, and stuff oh, like that. Nice, she man. she meets her first boyfriend he seems lovely he seems absolutely wonderful until he starts getting a bit creepy and a bit close and a bit like okay you can't be friends with the bartender i know he's gay but you can't be friends with him otherwise that means you're the fag hag kind of thing mm. and she's like okay the science not right i need to break up with this guy so she breaks up with him she consoles in in her friend this gay bartender and stuff and then out of the blue when she least expects it the boyfriend breaks into her home kills the friend oh god beats the living hell out of her to the point where she's unconscious and then she awakes in this basement and there's just a video camera looking at her and she's like what the hell's going on and she can hear two voices one is the boyfriend and one is a british guy she doesn't recognize him until the gun goes off and she realizes it's just this british guy left so for 48 hours straight, this British guy, he scalps her, he beats her with chains, he does all these horrible things to her, because that's when she realizes, shit, I'm in a snuff movie. Oh and, after heaven. And, after, and after 48 <laughs> hours, she doesn't just survive it, she escapes, barely. Right. She comes to in hospital, and people are saying she should be fucking dead like there's literally nothing left of her all the abuse has left her with not only post-traumatic stress disorder but it's also left her with pgad which is persistent genital arousal disorder oh my God. so every now and then her body will just give up and will give her the most painful orgasm she's ever experienced no warning whatsoever oh my god <laughs> so yeah I, I told you it gets a bit dark it gets a bit darker that's the worst part <laughs> But yeah, she she slowly recovers and, you know, she speaks to uh, a priest and stuff. And this priest uh, encourages us. Bear in mind, a lot of this is backstory that doesn't appear in the graphic novel. Oh, wow. Um, so she meets this this priest and this priest kind of like he mentors her thinking, well, she needs to learn that sometimes God moves in mysterious ways and stuff. He doesn't expect her to go down this dark path of like, yeah, well, yeah, I went through this shit time. I'm going to learn to protect myself. So I'm going to learn things like martial arts and I'm going to learn chaos magic, how to use that to help me out, learn a bit more about Satanism mm. and stuff. And she gets to a point where she decides I've got nothing left to lose because I've already lost it all. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to find the only copy of the snuff film that I was in. And I'm going to destroy it because in her head, if she destroys that snuff film, it will rectify everything. It will, it will erase the scars on her body mm. and all mm. past memories. And along the way, she starts taking down these small time criminals. Nice. And she realizes, 
I'm not a stripper anymore. I'm a vigilante, but my name is still the same. I'm Lady Satan. Wow. So we join her when the graphic novel starts. We join her in the house of an MI5 agent who's this corrupt guy. He's just been fired from MI5 for assaulting a colleague. Mm. But what MI5 didn't realize is he's running uh, like a, a child pornography ring right. and stuff. So she's turned up being like, okay, I hear you can get a certain tape because you deal in tapes and stuff. She ends up uh, killing him and taking over this gothic mansion he has in the middle of the woods. And she's like, well, this is my base of operation now. I'm, I'm on British soil. I'm going to start taking out people from here. I will find that tape. She goes through the files that he's stolen from MI5 and she sees the man that abused her and tried to kill her in a snuff film. She sees his photo. She sees his file. She sees that he's a high-ranking British police officer mm. who works at a station not too far from where she is. And he's under investigation from the MI5. And she realizes this is it. It's now or never. I need to get my revenge on this person. But she's got all those fears. She's still haunted from the experience. She can still hear him. Like mm. whispering like sure. those awful things into her ear. So it's a personal journey about her having to confront this high-ranking British police officer. Exact revenge. Do it while she is watched by all these other police officers and MI5 agents and get past her own trauma in order to at least try and exact her revenge on the guy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and that's book one. Let me tell you about book two. <laughs> Wow, man. Holy God. That is wild. That is wild. Yeah. That's oh, how yeah. it's, it's a very uh, character driven story for sure. Yeah. If, if you're looking for like, if you're looking for like superheroes, like beating 10 shades of shit out of each other, this book ain't for you. It's yeah. not for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, the Crow, it's so funny. The Crow is really, I mean, when you read the book, it's, it's brutal. And it's, uh, have you ever yes. read the Crow? Oh, I love it. I've read it several times over. Yeah, it's, me too. it's like there were so many techniques in that book that I thoroughly, thoroughly admired. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one was how they were able to, how James O'Barr was able to, like when he finds Tintin, oh. and and it's Tintin by that crashed car. Yes, and they do they do the theater of the mind thing by mm -hmm. going, look, you've just seen him slice up all these guys. This is so bad. We're not even going to show it to you. We're going to fade to black using panels in a staccato. Yeah. It's incredible. Oh, man. Just seeing the claw hammer, Tintin, that's it. You that's know it gets it. bad from there. Yeah. That, that's in those instances where less is more, you know, because yeah. now your imagination is like, oh, I know exactly what's going on and I don't want to think about it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, in, in Lady Satan, there's a couple of things where you won't see what happened. Right. Uh, but there is a lot where you will. And right. you, you will hate me for it. I can tell you, <laughs> I can tell you that. But certain you'll things hate you need to show. There's certain things you have to show. Yeah. 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 You'll hate me for it, but you'll also be looking at it going, fuck me, that's really hard to draw. How did he do it? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can pull that off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. With this book, I really wanted there to be a certain effect that the reader has when they get to the end of it. Mm. And I realized along the way, I was like, okay, I need to compromise. I need to aim for one of three things to happen. Mm. The reader either gets to the end of this book 
and they cry. They go, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. They either get to the end of this book and go, oh, my God, the clowns are going to eat me. Fucking hell, because they're horribly disturbed. The effect I was aiming for was both those things at the same time. Right. <laughs> so they'll be like, it's it's beautiful, but I'm fucking horrified. I don't want to meet this guy. <laughs> I wonder he's called Lucifer. <laughs> wow, man. I'm I'm excited to read it. I am excited to read it. Would you like to see some of the artworks? I got Photoshop with a few pages pulled oh, up, so I'm more sure. than to, to oh, share yeah. the screen, man. Because oh, I've I... rabbited on enough about it, you know. I might as well show yeah. something. Oh, absolutely, uh, yeah. Share the screen, and in the meantime, let me go to this comment. Uh, Ash and Jackal, what's up, man? Uh, hello, Rob. Busy with the daughter at the moment. I hope she didn't. <laughs> hope she didn't hear all that whole that whole description there. But I'll leave a like <laughs> and catch you on the replay. Awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, by the way, if you've got kids around, send them to bed now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, cool. like, so yeah, this is a double page spread from Act Two, where, like, th- this is one of those moments where you don't see the horrible stuff. You're just seeing, like, the connecting threads and how Lady Satan's responding to it. And it all lies within that blood stained teddy bear. And uh, luckily, I haven't put the dialogue in. Otherwise, it might give away too much. But then again, sure. can you can you ever really give away too much? Uh, I'll work backwards. Now, this is where I like to show what <laughs> what others would stray away from. Is that? Oh, is the finger shot? The hand shot? Yeah, because uh, this is the MI five agent that she's uh, broken into this mansion of, oh, and. She's put a gun to the back of his head and just said, okay, I don't want to shoot you. I just want you to do what I say. Now get up from your chair. And he starts to get up and thinks, no, actually, I'll try and stab her. The gun goes off and he shot his his hand. And in this part, she's saying, just because I don't want to shoot you doesn't mean I won't. Mm-hmm. So that that's the kind of uh, kind of character she is. Like even though she's doing horrible things, she is kind of fair about it. She does give him a little bit of warning uh, mm-hmm. along the way. Yeah, this is the part that kind of like leads up to that. Like every, whenever I see an excuse to put a nine-panel grid in, I just go for <laughs> it. I I do not hesitate. I You're am bold. I am a whore for nine-panel grids. <laughs> And uh, yeah, this is part of the uh, the prologue wow. for the book. So this is, is going to be, you know, what? it also reminds me a little bit of History of Violence. Ever read that? I have never read a History of Violence, and I didn't see the uh, the movie either. So well, I look it's gritty like this, similar similar stake, but more line work. But but yeah, um, definitely, you should definitely check that out. Oh, I think I will. I think I'm going to have to add it to my list. But yeah. It's that, way darker, else. way darker than the movie in terms of the direction they take certain things. Man, I, I thought you were going to say, you know, it's way darker than your book. I was oh, no. be like, <laughs> challenge well, accepted. I'm not going to lie. that The ending gets like that level. Uh, you could tell they did, wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't take a chance like that with the, uh, with the movie. But uh, <laughs> so this is, this is her outfit. This is her. Uh, this is just the the cover for the book. Uh, her outfit tends to change, but it is almost always this this respirator mask and these steampunk kind of goggles with these horns on. Uh, the one thing I left out of the the cover is the fact that on the lenses of of the uh, of the goggles uh, are pentagrams. Ah, oh, okay. 
and like later on in the book uh one of the outfits that she's wearing it's kind of like these black cargo pants and stuff and she's got like this crop top on but the 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 way the neckline is, it makes a pentagram. Any excuse to put a pentagram in there, just to really let people know, Lady Satan. Right, right. <laughs> Got to reinforce that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that, that's that's pretty much it. Wow, man. Uh, Stinch wants to know, you guys got, got any David Lapham recommendations? Um, David Lapham, that sounds very familiar. I was, I was going to uh, say, it sounds familiar, but... It's one of those names. It's like it's on the tip of my tongue. Didn't he do not a hundred bullets? He did a bullet book. I remember. Oh, Stray Bullets. I knew it was. Oh, that yeah. guy. I, I haven't read Stray Bullets. I'm not very familiar with his work. Yeah. Uh. Oh, yeah. Oh, you would actually really like his his style. It's very similar to Martin Burrow, right? Yeah. It's another book called Lodger. Yeah, I'm not familiar with this. Uh, IDW stuff. Oh, okay. I, I'm. I don't really check out IDW stuff. Like, I'm. I'm very much into the the stuff that probably goes under the radar. Same. That little yeah. bit. Like, whenever I see something that reminds me of, like, as you mentioned, The Crow or mm -hmm. Faust, yes, or, or Scars stuff mm -hmm. like that. I'm like, okay, that's that's where I'm going. If no one else wants to join me, I understand. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, sure. Oh, uh, Stitch says, check out Lodger. I will. That's the one I just saw. That actually looks really cool. Cool, man. I, I'll make a note of that and I will check that out because I'm always looking for something new to read anyway. So, yeah, check out Lodger. Okay, I will. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Very, very cool. I'm, I'm excited for it. And, um, Thanks, this, the pre launch page is in the description if you guys want to sign up. Do you have any like perk or like some kind of like incentive if they sign up early? Yeah, if you sign up early and you go on to back the book, you will get a free Lady Satan sticker, right? Mm -hmm. Not not only this. Right? I'll, I'll let you into something because I've been talking to people about this. Uh, I've, I've Clearly, I've been thinking about perks and stuff, but I've also been thinking about how the book is packaged. Because, mm -hmm. look, you could back any campaign and your book will turn up and it's in like your, your typical mailer cardboard thing. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. What I'm going to try and do now, whether I pull this off or not, is a very different story. What I'm going to try and do is make it so that you back the campaign. A month or two goes by. You know, you've kind of forgotten that you've backed it. The doorbell rings. There's the mailman or the delivery guy. And they're just holding this black box with a pentagram on it. <laughs> and it's sealed with crime scene tape. Oh, so you take it from them very cautiously as if like there's <laughs> going to be an FBI sting. Yes. You, you open the box. There's the black tissue paper. When you pull the black tissue paper back, there's a police evidence bag. Oh, and my inside God, that evidence bag is the book. That's that's what you want to do. That's what I want to do. Now, whether I pull it off or not is a different story. Only time will tell on that one. But if I can yeah. pull it off, then I am so going to do that. That would be wild. Because then you're creating like a real experience. That's what I want to do with Blood exactly. Realm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a hardcover. Right. Right. The extra level of immersion, you know? Yes, absolutely. It just feels that bit more personal. It's a bit like having an in-joke with a complete stranger, but they get it. <laughs> but they get it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Wow. So what kind of films? Uh, like any, any films in particular that you're uh, influenced by? Uh, for this book, yeah, like there's, I find there's always comics, music, and films that mm. influence each story I work on. Yeah. Same. So, 
so with with the, with the music side of things i actually have like this little 12 track playlist uh and i don't know what it is but these 12 tracks they make me think if lady satan was a movie this is the soundtrack i do the same thing that's so funny awesome i'm glad i'm not alone because i thought i was a weirdo doing that <laughs> i do the exact every every volume of blood Room has as a specific compilation that would be if they if it was a film like the soundtrack of it awesome man oh yeah go, keep going yeah i want to hear yeah yeah i i i do that and uh it's really good because if i ever have a day where i'm like oh man i'm just not feeling it today i just pop on that soundtrack and then i'm like yeah let's go i'm i'm ready now it. <laughs> it, it's a pavlovian thing like the moment i hear like the opening bars to i am x singing uh this will make you love again i'm like mm. yes let's, let's do this and this is a slow song and then Machine Head will start kicking in or Lamb of God. And then I'm like, okay, no one's going to stop me now. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, like I've mentioned things like The Crow and Scars and uh, a lot of Garth Ennis's work has uh, been yeah. influential on the story. When it, comes to, when it comes to movies, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's Death Sentence with Kevin Bacon from 2006. That movie's awesome. Oh, it's so, so good. I was speaking to a guy about it yesterday. He had never seen it. And I said, I'll sell it oh. to you by saying three names. Kevin Bacon, James Wan, John Goodman. Oh, you need to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, once again, it's it's that revenge thriller aspect, but there's something really dark and, and gritty about it. And that oh. whole, that sequence through the multi-story car park where the camera just keeps moving and there's no cuts. Oh, man. Mwah. That is the craziest, craziest scene it, at the end. It is, it is beautiful, absolutely beautiful movie, and yet so many horrible things happen in it. I know, um, but that's probably one of the lighter movies that influenced this book. I, I started looking at more extreme underground horror movies that, mm. that some people may not be aware of. Uh, there was a trilogy called August Underground that played a big part in influencing uh this book uh it, it was a trilogy made by fred vogel really nice guy i've spoken to him a few times really cool guy and uh he's if i remember correctly he was a student of tom savini oh wow and he was like all oh, these horror movies using cgi look you know practical effects are still good mm. so he he made a trilogy of some people would call it found footage Mm -hmm. But because it's the found footage of a serial killer, it's technically faux snuff films. And oh. the effects are so realistic. At one point, uh, when he was going to Canada to promote the second movie, uh, the, the authorities in Canada arrested him because they thought it was real. I thought they were real. Wow. Yeah, that that's how good the effects are. And it's not an easy watch. But, <laughs> but if you... Uh, August Underground. August Underground. Okay. Yeah. If, if you get through them, like the best thing to do with them is like if you got copies of them because there's no like opening music or titles, it just goes straight in. So like if you're having a party, you could just like say to someone sort of like, "Hey, look, you know, I got the new Star Wars movie. I got a bootleg of it. Do you want to watch it?" And then put it on, and then start freaking out like you didn't know, and just watch everyone else join in. <laughs> it's, it's a great experience, man. Uh, so stuff like that. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust was a movie that influenced it. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a classic, man. Absolute yeah. classic. Another one that's really quite tough to to watch. It's funny. Uh, I I like the movie. To hate the animal stuff. That's messed up. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, the animal stuff is is really messed up, but there's just something about that story and the story's the, great. The score, the yep, the score is oh, fantastic, beautiful man. So uh, stuff like that, Exorcist three, yeah, what uh, was an influence as well. Uh, not so much the original Exorcist, which mm -hmm. is quite strange because when I look at some of the pages in the book that I've done so far, I feel that there's kind of a documentary feel to the book, which is. A really weird kind of feeling to have about your own stuff but no that that ominous the threat is coming but you can't see it everything's kind of normal that they had in exorcist 3 i tried to incorporate that yeah. into it have you uh, read a little oh legion yeah oh i haven't oh okay i wasn't sure yeah it's it's, it's great. <laughs> shame on me oh, <laughs> really good the, the book um is and and uh a serbian film that's a very controversial movie and understandably uh so very a serbian film a serbian film yeah yeah <laughs> if you're a parent don't watch it oh, wow. you you will walk away from that if you have seen it then you already know what <laughs> what i mean uh it's banned in a lot of countries and really? uh yeah yeah because it is real tough watch let's put it this way if i talked about some of it you would probably have your channel banned <laughs> by YouTube. Uh, so if anyone's interested google that's the best way to go about it but that's a that's a very dark movie once again it's kind of got that whole snuff movie feel to it uh, eight millimeter was another movie that kind of played a little bit into it that's what nicholas cage yes yes, yeah. yes i love that movie the weird thing is, I Spit on Your Grave didn't play an influence in this book whatsoever, mm. yet there's been a couple of people that when I've told them about it, they've been like, oh, you mean like I Spit on Your Grave? And I'm like, yeah, why didn't I watch that as part of I, my research? I know, it's <laughs> that funny, that happens to me too, but you know, it's funny, once you said that, I do see that, because I've seen that, and I'm like, mm. oh, I was like, I can, I can get that vibe, you know, when you're describing that to me now, but uh, that happens to me too, like some people like kind of recommend things, and I'm just like, I, I, that was not, but I feel like now I should see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it will happen to me on every book I do. They'll, they'll, they'll see that one thing and I'll be like, oh man, I've got to go check that out now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those, those were uh, a lot of the movies kind of like, it was more the exploitation side of cinema, the kind mm -hmm. of like the old, uh, like the revenge Westerns and the rape and revenge genre kind of stuff that played more of an influence uh, on the story, I mean, similar to like what you did with uh, Wirehead when you were watching the Slashers. Yeah, I I was going to a lot of exploitation movies that were that were focused on revenge. So I was seeing movies like Act of Vengeance, which I reference on the very first page of the book, right? Uh, in a tiny bit of dialogue. It's one of those things. If you've seen the movie, you'll get the reference straight away. But if you haven't, you you won't know that there's a reference lying there, and. Uh, yeah, so there was Act of Vengeance, there was Miss 45, They Call Her One Eye, so many movies like that. And I I didn't take too much away from them. It was more kind of looking at the, the rules and parameters of a revenge story. Mm. And the first thing that I realized was like, there's this unwritten rule in the revenge story of your lead is either getting revenge for something that happened to them or something that happened to someone close to them. Right. And when they exact that revenge, if they do anything to that person that is worse than what happened to them, then they become the bad guy. 
Yeah. So they they can't cross that line. And I realized very early on, what's worse than being in a snuff film? Right. I can't I can't think of anything. So she gets free reign to do Ooh. the most oh. horrible stuff to her she, perpetrators. Yeah, but she doesn't. She looks at mm. their individual crimes and she makes sure that the punishment fits the crime. Mm. So she's got that con like even though she can't control uh like the haunting in her head, the she ghosts of the past, she can right. yeah, she can still control her actions. Mm. So she's so rather than trying to control others, she's finding control in herself just in other elements of her life. Oh, wow. Wow. So that's a great little slice of uh, character development right there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah ab absolutely. I love characters. I, I, I could just sit with a character for like weeks on end and yeah. develop them. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, there's meant to be a story, isn't there? I better get to work on that pretty soon, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, character telling you, let me out, let me out. Yeah, absolutely, and that's and that's what it was with uh, with Lady Satan. A lot of it at first was just me, just sat down with this character in my head because, like I said, there's a public domain comic called Lady Satan, mm -hmm. and uh, I think it was George Tusker who who worked on her and, and originally created her, and she was one of those characters that like it just fell into the public domain. No one cared, and I was like, why did no one care? Why she? Why was she only in like six, seven, like little? five six page stories and then i read them and i realized no one knew what to do with her like the first story she's a spy fighting nazis the next story she's a witch fighting werewolves right no one no one knew what to do with her so i was like what would what would i do if i had a character called lady satan what has she been through like what would justify her calling herself lady satan and then a couple of hours later and many cigarettes and lots of <laughs> lots of drinking anything that's that that you can so like coke <laughs> beer both together whatever and i'm i'm sat there thinking like man if if i was called lady satan i'd be a vigilante mm. and if i was a vigilante what would motivate me to go there and just the idea of the snuff film uh, came into my head because i've always been fascinated by the the myth of the snuff film although i think in in today's terms we can say that there is a reality to it right. uh hence documentaries like don't fuck with cats you know yes yeah sure they clearly <laughs> they clearly exist and stuff and i always wanted to write a story about a snuff film and i just never knew how i could never find that right story and then I'm developing this character and it was just like ding snuff film this is i can do this what if what if she survived being in a snuff film to me that's pretty fucking amazing who survives right. such a thing like how tough have you got a fucking be to survive? So, right isn't it interesting with horror because i'm doing something similar where it's like you know a lot of people don't want to talk, talk about what you know that subject matter but then you know, with Wirehead, you know, we, we go into the history of the Japanese research facilities during World War II and the yes. absolute disturbing experiments mm. they did on the POWs and the people they captured in China, which some of it, in my opinion, will rival the stuff that happened in Europe. It's utterly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. I, it totally like because I did a lot of research on both sides. And personally, mm. the stuff I read from the testimonies from the Japanese people, you know, at, the, at that tribunal. I, I I couldn't even I was like wow I got to take a break, and yeah. 
I, it's weird because it's almost like these are little, it's like we're not, we're not giving lectures, but we're kind of just with horror. Sometimes we're giving a little thing, a little bit of light just so you guys can just maybe be more aware of this. And then they could go do research on it themselves and find out, oh my God, this stuff exists. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like what you're talking about, they, there was a series of movies called Men Behind the Sun mm. where they were like, biopics of those atrocities and wow they they yeah. do it justice in the movie and it is horrifying but yeah you know i think that's one of the great things about about horror is you can say to the viewer the audience the reader mm. you can say to them my job is to scare you it is to disturb you yes we we're not going to shy away from topics okay. that you would you're kind of saying go on bury your head in the sand how are you meant to do it when there's no sand right you know right. and like in order to do that you have to personally go through that horrible journey and yeah. then go i'm just going to show you the highlight reel <laughs> <laughs> i mean with, with lady satan i i planned it to be five books five books yeah. Now, obviously, this will depend on how the crowdfunding campaign sure. goes. How long? It, is it, each, uh, each book is roughly the same, around 130 pages. Oh wow! Yep. So I've got a lot of work ahead of me. <laughs> oh, damn, man. <laughs> Especially I mean, as I'm not exactly the fastest artist either. <laughs> okay, so you're. Oh, I see. I thought you meant at first five five books as in terms of chapters, but you mean full five 130 page books. Yeah, full five 130 page books. So th this story is called An Angel in a Killer's Dress. Mm -hmm. And it's 130 pages. When you get to the end of it, you will feel that you've read a self-contained story. Okay, good. That's what I was going to ask next. So if anything goes wrong with the crowdfunding and only this book gets made, you're not going to feel cheated. You're not going to walk right. away from it going, I need to know what happens next. Yeah, right. However, if it, if it gets funded, then I will move on to the second book, mm -hmm. uh, which is going to be called Hath No Fury. Mm -hmm. And it will take, it, it will be the same. It will be a self-contained story. When you get to the end of it, you'll be like, cool, I'm, I don't feel cheated, but if more comes along, I won't say no right. kind of thing. So right. like, like I said, there, there's five books and each one I wanted the title to be similar to like the titles of Giallo movies. Because mm -hmm. I love titles like the bird with the crystal plumage. Yeah. Such, a, such a lovely and the, the key with those movies is the longer the title, the better the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Always has been. So I, I sat there and I like when I wrote this book, I didn't straight away plot the following books. I I had a rough idea where they were gonna go. Same with Blood. Um, but when COVID hit and we started going into lockdown, I was like, now's the chance. Yeah, now's I, the chance I'm to start sure. plotting. Yeah, exactly. so so I plotted it all the way through all five books, and I even named them. So, like I said, this first oh, book cool. is called uh, "An Angel in a Killer's Dress." Right. Second book is "Hath No Fury." The third book is "The Glass Doll with Hands of Stone." The fourth book is "Kiss Tomorrow Goodbye," and there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. And the fifth and the fifth book is "Bury Me an Angel." So, mm -hmm. "Kiss Tomorrow Goodbye," a part of the a part of the story, without giving too much away is that there is a group of people who host a suicide game show. Wow. Where they abduct people, force them to commit suicide in front of an audience, and then they score them. 
on how well their suicide was was done and that plays a part in like the bigger story involving lady satan and everything and her snuff film funnily enough and i whilst i was plotting that out i started doing research and a part of my research because i was like i need to know that certain scenes have a certain feel to them a certain a certain authenticity i i don't know what it's like to commit suicide if i did we wouldn't be having this conversation that's true so I was listening to this artist called Amigo the Devil. He, mm-hmm. he, he plays a style of music called Murder Folk, something that I, I really like. And he was, uh, he's got this obsession with serial killers. A lot of his songs are basically love songs told through the eyes of serial killers. Mm. And uh, he was in an interview and he was describing the different things he collected. He did collect human remains that were found and stuff like that he collected serial killer memorabilia he also collected suicide notes really and i was i was like wow like how does someone go and get a real suicide note how does someone build a collection of those so i started doing some research online and i realized there are websites out there there are some that do uh, like fictional suicide notes as a part of telling a story but there are some that actually have real suicide notes on them. Oh my God. So I just spent a whole Saturday afternoon just glued to the computer screen, just reading actual suicide notes. My God, that was brutal. (laughs) I would say. But also that I know that when I get to that book, I can give highlights of those things mm-hmm. and say, this is how bad it is for someone when they're going sure. through suicidal thoughts. This is how they express it. And this is how right. it comes across. But this is, this is book, but this is a while yet because, Oh yeah, th- this okay. is a while, but I, I like to do research early and continue Same. throughout the whole process. As well. <laughs> you have to, you have to. You know, it's like I gotta get all this out of my head and put it on paper, and now you guys deal with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Look, I've gone through my thing. Now it's your turn to go for your thing. Here's a number for a therapist. You're gonna need it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get to this question real quick. Lucifer, did you pick anything from Ishii the Killer? That's a great. No. I, I didn't. That that movie is so dope. The manga is dope. There was a little anime that they did as well. I never saw the anime. I love the manga. Absolutely adore it. The manga is amazing, and the live action movie is amazing. The anime is not too bad, but it's it's not the live action movie. Mm. Just yeah. oh man, just that opening. No, oh, you can't beat it. Gee, like you know, see now, Stinch. I'm gonna have to find my copy of Itchy the Killer. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna have to sit down and watch it and, and classify it as research. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now, funnily enough, I I didn't, and I'm kind of surprised because I went through so many of the other kind of like extreme horror movie stuff out there. Like, if you go on Google and type like uh, the most disturbing films of all time, mm-hmm. there's a list uh, that someone did of the ten most disturbing films ever made and Mm. i was like i've got copies of all of those i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna watch them let's do that kind of thing and you get to the end of the day and you're like damn how am i not suicidal (laughs) (laughs) well maybe there's also that sense of that this is you know made up so you know that's how i yeah yeah i think that there's definitely a part of the whole this is made up 
So yeah. you don't worry about it too much. But I don't know. There's there's just something in each one of those films that goes. This may be made up, but it had to be influenced by something. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, of course. Yeah. I, I don't mean yeah. to like say that it's you know it still doesn't oh, leave an yeah. effect, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I know what you mean. Yeah. And you know. Oh man. And uh, it, every time I watch one of those movies, I think if I ever meet a girl who watches one of these with me. And doesn't mace me or call the cops. I found my future wife for sure. Sure (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Oh my god! Well, we have it. Oh my god! We went over. It's an hour already, man. That was great. Oh shit! That's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. I thoroughly enjoyed that, man. That was fantastic. Uh, Let me just go real quick. We see Pedro here. He just says, "Hey there, everybody." Hey, Pedro. And uh, let's see. Stinch says, I need to get an HD Blu-ray copy and call it a business investment. <laughs> yes. Good, man. I like his way of thinking. All right, guys. Well, we have to head out, but thank you so much for tuning in. And you can back, or I'm sorry, you could pre-launch, sign up for the pre-launch page yep. of uh, Lady Satan in the description below. And if you haven't checked out Wirehead, the link, the link to Wirehead is there as well. So thank you so much, Lucifer. This was fantastic. I can't wait for the book. Anytime. I'm looking forward to it. And I'll catch you guys next time. Take care, everyone. See you later, guys.